You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Land Surveyor Radio Hour. I'm Dr. Tony Nettleman, and today we're talking all about business. I know a lot of you guys run your own businesses or are employed in small business, and sometimes business is the least favorite thing we do. Well, I've got uh, Rich Radke, a land surveying business consultant here today, and we're going to talk about how to run, how to properly run a surveying business. Thanks for coming on, Rich. Thanks for having me, Tony. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, welcome. I'm really glad you're here. My grandfather always said there's three realms of surveying. There's the technical world, the legal world, and the business world. And it seems like most surveyors struggle most with the business world. Uh, is that what you see? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a uh, – I think it's part of what, you know, I think people enjoy it at to some level. Uh, I think they enjoy having their own business. Uh, but I do think it's been a uh, challenge for a lot of people in the industry. A lot of it is not their own fault because they really haven't been uh, educated or trained properly, if you will, to to really focus on the business side. Uh, they're very, very technically trained, as you well know. And um, and, and so the the business side, I think, sometimes gets uh, the, the least amount of focus, and, and that can be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I read this book years ago, and I read it all the time, called The E-Myth, The Entrepreneurial Myth. And the myth is, if you're a master technician, then you will be a great business person to run your own, you know, operation. And that's just not the case. You know, being a great surveyor and being a great entrepreneur or manager or leader is two totally different things. So, I mean, what's your system? I mean, how do we handle this? Well, so, um, so Tony, I think the there's a number of things to look at, and I think we have to sort of back up, step back, and, and think about um, for for the listeners today. Just what you know, what our view might be to help them start to, uh, I guess I call it, you know, peel the onion of their business and and really start to understand what they're doing well and maybe what they're doing not as well and, and what they can begin to um, put in place to to just run a more efficient, more effective business. So, you know, we had, we had talked um, some time ago, I think, at a couple of different uh, land surveying industry events, and um, I think you saw the opportunity to really help people in the, uh, in the profession. And, um, and certainly that's the, the tack that I've taken over the last, you know, three years or so since I've been associated with this, um, this industry and this profession. And so I think, I think what we've, we're going to try to do, and, and, you know, we can outline this briefly, but we're going we're gonna to do a series of, of shows focused on business and business-related issues. Um, some of you maybe that are listening have, have heard um, – one or both of us do presentations at at uh, industry and professional events over the last several years, and and I think I know Tony, you you speak uh, a lot to the technical side, but I know from other people telling me that you you weave in 
you know, uh, a, a bit about certainly business and, and managing a business as well. So we're going to do six series um, where we, we try to nail down a different sort of general topic uh, and go deeper um, in each one of those topics, sort of in a building block um, game plan over over a six-call process, correct? Yeah, that sounds amazing. You know, I've been reading voraciously for years about how to run a business, how to start a business, and it seems like every time I learn something and try it out, it may work or it may not work, but you've got to keep innovating and, and run the business properly. R- running, being a serial entrepreneur, starting and running a business drives me absolutely crazy. You know, mm-hmm. employees, payroll, taxes, insurance, and I, I really hope that not only our listeners, but maybe I'll learn a few things from you over the next uh, six episodes, And <laughs> because it really does drive me absolutely crazy some days. I love surveying, but the business is like a totally different animal. Well, and you're not alone. I think when I've spoken to, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of privately held um, businesses in the land surveying and engineering world over the last several years, um, I would say the the common theme is, um, boy, you know, I I got into surveying, either I worked for a bigger company and then I spun out on my own. And, And a lot of the folks say that, you know, what they really wanted to do is, they wanted flexibility. They wanted to be their own boss. They wanted to um, have. Uh, they had an entrepreneurial itch, um, but many of many 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 of them, I would say, extremely high percentage, will are very very open about the fact that um, they're they're very frustrated or challenged with running the business side. And so we've heard that a lot over the years. Uh, you know, I, I've been involved obviously with software to help companies operate more efficiently. Uh, I'm involved in um, some activities with um, with companies that are, uh, are an outsourcing opportunity for land surveying companies. But I think the most important thing uh, in any business is to recognize some of your strengths, let, recognize some of the weaknesses that you may have, and then, quite frankly, you, you have to be willing to ask for help and, you know, you also have to be willing to, to pay uh, for help and pay for advice. And, and I think that absolutely becomes, that becomes challenging for some. Yep, definitely. You know, I use several systems. I love uh, Dan Sullivan's Strategic Coach, uh, Michael yep. Gerber's E-Myth, Dave Ramsey's uh, Entree Leadership. And for, to get into Strategic Coach, you have to pay something like $50,000 per year, I mean, as an annual contract. That's a ton of money. But when you talk to the people who are using it, they just, they've been using it for decades and they swear by it. So, you know, you've got to be able to make the commitment in terms of finances and your own time. You know, you can't be working in your business all the time doing surveys. You have to work on your business making the systems and the processes and the training the employees. And that's not very much fun for someone like me. I don't enjoy, you know, building the process, but I do enjoy the results that come with it because now I've got time to do my own thing and I'm not filling orders. I'm not answering the phone. So 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're speaking to the choir. Well, it's you know, it's it's interesting. You mentioned um, both Emith and Strategic Coach. Yes, in fact, Strategic Coach. I think the the lowest level entry point might be fifty grand. It may be a hundred grand. And what Dan Sullivan says is, you, you go to one of his one of his sort of strategic sessions, uh, which is a day, a, a couple of day long uh, event. And first of all, you have to carve out the time. You have to you have to be focused. You have to engage in the conversations. You have to be involved in um, wanting to get better. Right? We all need to want to get better before we can get better. But he says very quickly that. Uh, within the first, within that first session, uh, if you're fully engaged and you take it serious, if you don't have the opportunity to come up with a better, a better way of operating your business, or a new marketing idea, or a new strategy that will, over time, uh, capture two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of incremental revenue, then then he, uh, you know, then he'll pay. You know he he won't charge you for the event, and I, I think point, <laughs> and you know, and no one, and I don't think any he's ever had to um, not charge anyone for an event. I, and I think the point there really, and, it, and the numbers aren't as important as it is the the fact that if in fact you commit and if you get engaged and if you carve out the time to do it and you want to get better and you engage with the right people that can help you uh, round out your strengths with some maybe additional areas that you haven't been trained in, uh, you will have results. Uh, and I think one of the other issues that I, I've seen a lot in the land surveying and engineering world is um, is just that, that commitment to follow through on the business side. And so what I mean by that is I've, I've had, uh, I've spoken to, again, hundreds and hundreds of companies that, um, that want to get better. They know they should get better. Um, they know that they have an opportunity to get better, and that it will make, as you said, Tony, will make, will buy them time, will make life easier, make their home front better. Uh, all of those sort of qualitative items, but and, and and they may go to an industry event, they may sit in on a business course, but what ends up happening is is there's not enough consistency in the follow through, and and that's where I think. Oftentimes, you know, guys like you and I who, who do some consulting and work with companies, that's where we can really add a lot of value because the follow-through is critical. Having a great idea and having a, a good concept is, is part of the battle, but it really, the, the real rubber meets the road is really in the execution and consistency and follow-up and accountability to get things done. Yeah, Absolutely. And we've only got about two minutes left before our first break. But, I mean, just think about the alternative. You know, the alternative is to run the business and you're the only person to not do the business side task like your taxes, accounting, balance sheets. And I have, I know someone who's done this who just totally does not have a business. He's self-employed. Well, he didn't mm-hmm. file his taxes for 10 years, never mm-hmm. seen a profit and loss statement in 30 years, uh, is borrowing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from American Express to cash flow the business and paying hundreds of thousands over the years in interest. And it basically just ran him into the ground. He just came in one day and just shut everything down and said, I can't do it anymore. Because he was working, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. He was the mailman, the uh, floor sweeper, 
the accountant, the surveyor, and everything else. And he made so much money, it kind of, he didn't realize how deep trouble he was in until the very end. But Mm -hmm. the alternative is just shutting down your business side completely, and that's that's not a viable alternative. You know, bad things are going to happen. So, you know, I, I think before the break, just commit to getting better and learning and doing better. And um, anything else you want to add to that, Rich? I think you just, I think we want people to be open. And on the six-part series, what we're going to try to do is keep it pretty general on this call, sort of get in, help you get into the entrepreneurial mindset, start thinking about the importance of taking action and doing things. We'll outline the show's will outline sort of a framework that we're going to use. and um, But but I think what you said is correct. You, you've got to think about, keep your mind open to change and think about how you um, not have a self-employment, not have a job, but, own, but actually own a business and run a business. And we're going to help you think through those things. Yeah, that sounds great. And after our break, could you explain to us, you know, what is the difference between a self-employed person and a business owner. Be thinking about that. We're going to go to our break right now, and we'll come back in just about a minute and a half. Do you want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as COGO, triangles, traverses, and more in seconds. A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. This is Dr. Sue. My party chief said he wanted to go someplace he had never been before. So, I took him to the rear property line. Sound familiar? Are you tired of trudging all the way to the back of property lines? Why not take the steps to become a crew chief instead? Or even better, why not become a professional land surveyor and see your name stamped on that final survey? The Nettleman Institute of Land Surveying Engineering Technology is your next step. At NYSET, we believe you are the future of surveying. And we want to do everything we can to help you succeed at becoming a professional surveyor. NYSET offers the only online one-year certificate of land surveying program that includes all books, fees, and expenses in one simple price. Visit LandSurveyCareer.com to stop trucking through the mud and step into your future today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the America's right. Broadcast Network. We're back with Rich Ratke, land surveying business consultant extraordinaire. 
And uh, before we left off in our break, we were talking about the difference between a self-employed person and a small business owner. So, you know, in your own mind, Rich, what's the difference between these two these two people? So, uh, I, Tony, I think the the main uh, issue or issues you find with someone who's self-employed is the fact that it just just by definition, so they are uh, self-employed. They're they're their own uh, person, if you will. They're not working for anyone per se, and and whatever they create, they have the ability to uh, you know to keep. But there's one of the things that you see a lot is this confusion around the fact that someone is, uh, as you said, self-employed versus owning a business. And one of the things we see a lot in the land surveying world, and, and by the way, all the things that we'll talk about are not really specific only to land surveying or engineering. I mean, quite frankly, uh, I'm, I'm working with a number of different uh, companies across consumables, across uh, manufacturing, across uh, aviation, um, it, it, you know, and when you think about any of those businesses or industries, they all face a lot of the same issues. And, and the issues are around self-employment versus owning a business is we put our name on the front of our door, open, hang our shingle and go into business, and we sort of automatically kind of assume that we're, we own a business. And, in fact, you, you, you really don't. What you, what you have is a job that you have to pay your own salary, and, and, that's, the, and, and that's the difference. So the, we, people, a, lot of, a lot of people get caught up in the name on the door. Um, quite frankly, a big challenge is having your name on the door because when you think about a business, the definition of a business is one that it should have no end to it, right? If, you, if you're able to grow a business, operate a business, add people, add resources, continue to grow that effort, over time, that business becomes bigger than you, and, and it should, in fact, outlive you, and it should outlive your, um, your, uh, the, the people in your organization. And so that's, that's the real difference. I mean, it's a, it's a living, breathing um, organization that isn't about you. You may be leading it. Um, and, and I'll tell you a quick real sidebar on this, and, and people, uh, business owners look at me really weird when I say this, but it's absolutely true, and that is when I start working with a company, I say to them, the, the owner or the CEO, I say, what, what we're going to do is we're going to come up with a way for you to elevate yourself out of a job. So my, my goal for you, Mr. Owner or Ms. Owner, is that you know six months, six months from now or a year from now, you won't have a job. And they look at me kind of like, well, wait a second, how's that going to work? And the point is, what what you want to get yourself to is you want to elevate above the business in such a way and understand how to delegate the things that you're not best at, bring in the right resources to help you, and you want to be able to grow a business that's that's bigger than you, so that you can uh, take a vacation, so you can leave the uh, the office when you feel like it, or not even come in, and and you can you know, go to Europe for a month, and the business does not miss a beat. It, it's, it's a well-oiled, efficient, effective entity. Yep, and when I hear that, it just sounds like we're going to Mecca. You know, this is the ultimate dream of any business owner, 
and it just takes so much work to do that. But, you know, once you have the systems in place where you can walk away for a couple days or a week or a month, uh, it's incredible. I was watching a, a YouTube of Dan Sullivan, the, the uh, strategic coach, and one of the YouTube videos was a testimonial of an investment banker. And he built his investment portfolio so well, and he trained his employees how to manage it so well that he didn't show up for so many months. They just kicked him out of his own office and mailed him his Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. It's, uh, and, it, you know, a lot of times people will look at you goofy when you talk about that. But, but in fact, it is, in many businesses, it's, it's more challenging because the business, the, the owner and the business are so attached to each other. And so it becomes you know, everything that they do and everything that they think about. And, and, and in many ways, that's okay early on. That's, that's kind of how things have to happen early on. But once you start to get a little bit of traction, you have to be willing to think about it as not a job, but as truly a business with a P&L, with a profit and loss, and with, as you said, people, process, and product are our uh, three, three key P's. Um, to to drive this forward, and, and even you know, in fact, when I talk to some some leaders in in this industry in land surveying and engineering, sometimes I'll ask someone, "Well, so how how do you do? How do you do in your your bit? How does your business do? What kind of what kind of um, growth have you had? What kind of revenues do you do?" And so on and so forth. And you know, if uh, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, "Well, you know, I, I do pretty well. You know, I pay myself." X, right? Whatever that number is. Well, that's not really the question. The question isn't what do you, what are you able to pay yourself in a salary or or what have you. And the question is how much is the business doing, and how have you grown? How have you been able to grow the business? And what are you doing for clients? And how how happy are your you know how happy are your clients? What's the wallet share that you have of their business? So those are the the issues that really matter in a business. And if all those things get better and align, you can pay yourself, you know, whatever you want to pay yourself long term, right? That's not really the issue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's the value of the business? And, and you know, is your business, can it stand on its own without you? You know, if you're self-employed, if, you know, you decide to retire, the business is shut down. If you Correct. own a business, you can sell it or you can, you know, you can do anything you want to with it. It'll live on once you retire or die. And it's funny, the e-myth I was reading again just this weekend is that basically I'm a master technician. I do amazing land surveys, but I'm working for this total idiot, and he doesn't pay me enough. He works me too hard. He's not a good boss. So I'm going to make my own business, and I'm going to bank all this money and work on my own hours, and I'll be the best surveyor in the world. Well, you quickly realize that you can be the best surveyor in the world, but if you're not properly running your finances, your HR, your legal, all that stuff, then the worst, then you become the worst boss in the world. <laughs> you know, right. you become what you were running from. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's right. As they say, I've become the, I've become the idiot, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, right. You're working um, for the absolute worst boss in the world yourself. 
<laughs> and you can't and you can't get away from him. That's right. Yeah, you can't quit. Yeah, you, you see him. You see him in the morning. You see him in the evening. Um, no, that's yeah. absolutely right. And, and I think the the other thing to to think about, um, and we talk about this a lot in in the programs that I've I've done educational programs at some of the um, professional industry events in land surveying. That is, you, you know, it's very important to start with the end in mind. Now. As you as you know, and we've talked about this, and this is why these kinds of discussions are so important. And I think this six six show series is going to be so important because the average owner in this industry in this profession is um, let's let's just call it. I don't know the actual number today, but I've seen numbers, and and let's just call it in the. Uh, in the 60s, in the low low to mid 60s, it may be higher in some markets than that. And and the challenge is that uh, you know, there's been some great um, businesses, and and there's some people that are extremely well trained, very very technical, and have done really well in this business for many many years. The challenge is now, as an industry, what happens to some of these businesses when these owners these um, entrepreneurs uh, end up wanting to retire or, or end up, you know, God forbid, um, you know, having things end sooner than, sooner than they wanted. What happens to the businesses? So it's a real issue that has to be addressed, and, and I think it has to be addressed um, quickly. And, and there's opportunity to do some things great with businesses. I think there's opportunities to transition these businesses to new owners, to new ownership, to managers, to folks in your business that, that want to become owners over time or, or family members or what have you. But you really have to, you really have to think about how, how is my business set up for a transition? Is it organized appropriately? Is it? Is, are we tracking things appropriately? Are, do we have tight financials? Do we? Do we understand? Um, you know, do we have a scorecard? Do we understand how our people are performing? Do we? Do we all? Do we have a vision for what we want this business to be over the next five or ten years? And does can everyone articulate that inside the business? Or, you know, or are you a one man band kind of doing your own thing? And and that's fine too. But that's just not a saleable business. Um, so the the issues with age, I think, and and the the um, pending challenges around transitioning these businesses to the next generation are pretty profound um, in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. In this and you know, we got we got a break right now. When we come back. I've got two quick stories for you and the listeners. And then let's jump in and talk about your system and kind of talk about, you know, where we're going in the next several episodes. So we're Perfect. taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Last week, my party chief said he wanted to go someplace he had never been before. So I took him to the rear property line. Sound familiar? Are you tired of trudging all the way to the back of property lines? Why not take the steps to become a crew chief instead? Or even better, why not become a professional land surveyor and see your name stamped on that final survey? The Nettleman Institute of Land Surveying Engineering Technology is your next step. At NYSET, we believe you are the future of surveying, and we want to do everything we can to help you succeed at becoming a professional surveyor. 
NYSET offers the only online one-year certificate of land surveying program that includes all books, fees, and expenses in one simple price. Visit LandSurveyCareer.com to stop trucking through the mud and step into your future today. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as COGO, triangles, traverses, and more in seconds. A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to our third segment of the Land Surveyor Radio Hour. Uh, Rich Ratke, business consultant, is here, and we're talking about how to properly run your small business. This is the first of, I think, six segments we're doing. And to kind of, you know, to tell the listeners what happens when you don't properly plan, let me tell you two quick stories. Uh, I live in a small mountain town part of the year, uh, because it's a great place to live. But for years, there was not a land surveyor in this town. So after World War II, the town mayor went out, found a surveyor in a big city, and basically incentivized him to come to this town. Well, he practiced for over 40 years, and then he died. Uh, that's what happens when you're 90 years old. All the records of the 40 years of land surveying, he was the only land surveyor in the county, were sent to the dump because his kids didn't know what to do with him and the other land surveyors in the surrounding counties didn't know he was dead or didn't inquire about his records. Can you imagine that, Rich? I mean, taking the records from the entire county for four decades to the dump. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's sad, and, and you see these stories, though. You see these things happen really all around the country. The, the number of people who have told me that they're looking to retire over the next couple of years, the next three to five years, and I ask about their, their game plan, you know, their transition plan, and the number of people who have told me, you know, well, the, the, the industry's been good to me. The profession's been good to me. I've, I've learned a lot. I've had a lot of fun. I've made, built some great relationships. I've had some great clients. I, it doesn't really owe me anything. You know, I'm probably just going to, I'm going to probably just lock it up and, and, and shut it down. And, um, and look, I mean, that happens sometimes and, and it is what it is, but I would, I would like to think that we as, as advisors and consultants and business people and business owners 
um, that we can do a better job and have a better outcome than that for not just the individual, but for, but for the profession and for the industry as well and for the communities that need these businesses. Yep, it just breaks your heart. And somehow a land surveyor from a surrounding county was in the dump poking around. <laughs> I don't know what he was looking for, but he found the <laughs> records of this guy and brought it back to his office. You know, it, it's just such a weird story. But the the wooden, custom wooden case that held all the surveying records, I mean, the records weren't even removed from the case. They were just taken lock, stock, and barrel and delivered to the county dump. And the guy found this cool-looking, you know, wooden bureau, opened it up, and found the records for the past 40 years. Just can't make this stuff up. Now, well, I, I've never, I've never yeah. put dumpster diving in as part of my uh, marketing strategy, but I might have to add it now after that. After that story, I might have to add. Yeah, that it's crazy. Don't don't pass up a dumpster dive. What a what a weird you know what a small world. I mean, thank God the other surveyor found that uh, because I bought you know several pieces of land in this county over the past two years and. Two of my parcels were were in those forty years of records, which is just wow. crazy. Wow. But crazy. It just makes you laugh, and it, it scares you. And then another uh, a practicing surveyor, a friend of mine in Georgia, he makes a practice now of going out and buying records that you know retiring surveyors want to get rid of. He digitizes them and then sells them online as like a service. So he doesn't just sell one record once. He sells, you know, the same survey 20 times in the city of Atlanta. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it just shows you two totally different business mindsets. Well, and I, the other thing that I've always, I've always said since I've sort of been introduced into this industry and, and profession is, is that <clears throat> the technical uh, part and the technical training is, is critically important, and, and no one's uh, no one's asking for individuals to do less technical training and not continue to be really great, you know, tacticians, if you will. Um, but the, the you can be a great technical surveyor, and you can be out of business too. So the flip side of that is it's important to balance your technical technical knowledge with your um, your business and um, and and sort of leadership acumen, and if again, if that's the if you don't really like those pieces, the business side or the the um, um, the, the non technical side of operating a business, dealing with people, um, having to you know handle some of those the financial aspects of the business, then then that's okay. But but you simply have to understand that, and then you have to be. Uh, I think smart enough and willing to uh, go out and find a partner or some management or some some you know people in your organization that can help take care of those things because they they don't go away and they don't um, they don't magically happen unless you have a game plan and you have people to execute. Yeah, absolutely. Now, can you tell me what's the difference between a chief executive officer and a chief operating officer are there differences i mean can i be the idea guy the technician and have someone else you know kind of handle the finances and hr and stuff for me 
Well, sure. I I think it really, I, I would say for people not to get too caught up in um, in titles because it, it's really quite different across industries and across different businesses as to the, what what someone's sort of quote unquote title is. But but the actual activity is really about um, as a as a business owner as a as a entrepreneur as someone who starts a business really understanding what your strengths are and what you also enjoy doing. Um, and a lot of people get those confused. A lot of people think that um, because they enjoy doing something, <clears throat> they're really good at it, or because they don't really enjoy something, they're really bad at it. And, and you know, it's quite, it, it, it's, it's not true at all. And, and in fact, uh, what we often do when we talk to companies and we talk to leadership and leadership folks and management folks is to really try to understand what their core competencies are. We certainly want to understand what they enjoy doing because I think if you have a passion for something, you just end up doing it better over time. Um, but but a lot of times what we're trying to do, Tony, is help owners elevate into more of a um, what you might think of as a chairman role or a visionary role over time. And, and, are, and, and give them the opportunity, the tools, and the, the know-how to delegate some of the day-to-day operational activities that maybe they um, either don't like or don't have time to do or what have you, and, and allow them the opportunity to think more about the business long-term, think about clients, think about strategy, think about the vision of the organization. Now, I say that, and I, I want to make sure I, I make this point. That's if you don't enjoy that or you don't feel like that's your strengths and you feel like, you know, what I really enjoy is I really enjoy surveying. I really like, you know, in fact, I like getting out in the field still and I like doing some of that. I like the technical work of of overseeing drafting and I like, you know, that's fine and that's great. But then what you need to do is you need to identify sort of that that business person who's going to take on the reins of being that visionary, being that leader, being that person who can sort of oversee the, the, the organization into the future and allow you the, the bandwidth, if you will, to be able to focus on the things that you really enjoy doing, the survey, the technical aspects of the business. So one's neither better nor worse, but you, what, what we see a lot, Tony, and you and I have talked about this, what we see a lot is we see those business owners who are um, – who want to be in that surveying role. And so what they do is they focus their attention on that, and, and what they don't do is find the right partner or the right individuals to help on the business side. And the business then, the structure, the operations, the financials, that part suffers. Yep, absolutely. It, it sounds like you're talking about that every person listening needs to find their unique ability you know, what they love to do and what they do best. And then they yeah. do that. And then let other people handle the stuff they're not good at. Because, you know, why bother focus on your weaknesses? Because you can get better and better and better, and you're still doing a, a poor job. Why not do what you really want to be doing instead of fighting with the stuff you hate doing? So, you know, you've got to yeah, be absolutely. able to delegate, delegate stuff you hate to do and that way you, you can do the stuff you love and you're not bogged down by all this, you know, crap 
that, you know, makes your day miserable because you will and, learn to hate your business if you don't, if you're doing all the crap. Well, right. And, and you, I'd also like to clarify just a point that, that is, I, I've seen a lot of people get really challenged with these decisions in that they think that they should like some of the things around running a business. They should like being a visionary. They should like being a quote unquote leader of people or a CEO, or they should like, well, it, it, none of that really matters because at the end of the day, you can have a hugely successful business uh, that is run very, very efficiently. Uh, you take great care of clients, you grow your client base, you're really well thought of in the community. Money, all those things can happen, and you don't have to be. You don't have to be the person sitting in that CEO chair. You can be someone who is. In fact, you could be someone who's out in the field doing doing surveying. You can be someone who's more operationally inclined or, or focused more on the technical aspects of quality control of the product going out of, of your shop. So it, it's not a oh I should I should like this because I'm I'm the owner of the business it has nothing to do do with that. And in fact, Tony, there's and I'll just sort of put I'll, I'll sort of float this out there. Um, I think there's an enormous number of companies, and I know this for a fact because I've talked to a lot of them, who are challenged right now because they don't have a good transition plan. They don't love the business of surveying. They love surveying. And what they're trying to figure out, if they're smart, what they're trying to figure out is what am I going to do? And I think there's going to be some opportunities um, in the next um, several months to several years where um, those kinds of companies can connect with you know, folks like like me or business people who are coming into the business or coming into the industry to help companies um, grow, get more efficient, get more effective, um, and and in some ways maybe combine some of these businesses together to 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 have greater strength and greater market share in a given market. So. A lot of industries go through that. They're, they're, you know, some people would call it roll-up markets. Some would call it consolidation, what have you. But I do think you, you need to be, as a business owner, open to the changes and the activities that, that could come through um, understanding that, there's a, there, that you have a challenge, that you don't have a transition in place, but you want to have a transition in place. You, you, you like the, the business uh, you, you like surveying, but you don't love the business of surveying. And so being able to, again, partner with, combine with, leverage resources to get you to that next level is going to be critically important uh, for uh, for a number of companies. And, and I'm talking, yeah, uh, you know, absolutely. I'm having a conversation with folks as we sit here today in different markets where they're trying to think about who can I combine with, and what what do I need to help take my business to the next level, knowing it may not be them? Yep. Hold that thought, Rich. We're going to take another break, our last one of the show. And when we come back, let's talk about the system and talk about, you know, how you do that. Last week, my party chief said he wanted to go someplace he had never been before. So... I took him to the rear property line. Sound familiar? Are you tired of trudging all the way to the back of property lines? 
Why not take the steps to become a crew chief instead? Or even better, why not become a professional land surveyor and see your name stamped on that final survey? The Nettleman Institute of Land Surveying Engineering Technology is your next step. At NYSET, we believe you are the future of surveying, and we want to do everything we can to help you succeed at becoming a professional surveyor. NYSET offers the only online one-year certificate of land surveying program that includes all books, fees, and expenses in one simple price. Visit LandSurveyCareer.com to stop trucking through the mud and step into your future today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as COGO, triangles, traverses, and more in seconds. A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to our last segment of the Land Surveyor Radio Hour. Rich Radke, business consultant, is talking with us about a system that he's designed and he uses to help small businesses, you know, get started, operate, and finally, you know, transition to either selling or shutting down whatever happens. So this is the first of several shows we're running. And in the last segment, Rich, let's talk about your system and, you know, what to expect over the next uh, so many shows. Well, sure. So um, just to... Just to sort of put a finer point on on what what uh, I've done and what I do with companies. Um, there's Tony, as you know, <clears throat> you mentioned a couple of of books and models um, here just in this show today. There's there's hundreds of business models out there, um, and and I do believe, um, quite frankly, they they all are great and they all work really well. It's not about so much the model it's about the execution of the model and and the accountability and the follow-up and the in just the sheer work that goes into helping your business evolve and go to the next level so uh, what most business people but what most consultants do what most advisors do is they use a you know a, a number of different models and frameworks and and and, and so on and uh, or combine different models together. Again, there's hundreds of them out there. 
I've, um, uh, I think I've studied a lot of these models. I've looked at a lot of these models. I've used a number of these models over the years. Um, there's a, there's a framework that I use, Tony, a lot, um, in, in, I guess, in my current advisory work. And the reason I, and it's called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, um, EOS for short. The Entrepreneurial Operating System is a system that was built over the course of probably a 25-year, 30-year sort of career of a gentleman um, out of uh, out of the Detroit area called Gino Wickman. And Gino uh, was one of the first uh, uh, folks in the entrepreneurial. Um, uh, there's a there's an entrepreneurial program like the President's Club that is EO called Entrepreneurial Organization. He was a founder of that. Um, and that that organization has grown uh, across the country. So he's always he, he worked in a family business as a young man. He helped turn around a family business, and then he began through the various folks that he knew. He he started sort of advising and consulting businesses across all different types of industry, and he built this. Uh, and, and looked at other models and, you know, probably as most of us have done over the years, sort of beg, borrowed and steal different pieces of different people's um, knowledge base and kind of combine them into what is today this entrepreneurial operating system. So it's not my model. I did not build the model. Um, Gino, um, Gino did. And, and I think highly of the framework. And so I use it. And the reason I use it um, with other things is the fact that it's simple uh, to use. It's simple to understand, Tony. And the fact is you can get some really good um, lift, if you will, some really good traction and really good results fairly quickly. So it's not uh, maybe a typical advisory or consulting model where it seems like you have to work on your business for, you know, for 15 months before you can really feel any results. It's quite the opposite, which is what I love about EOS and about the, the framework that, that it, it can be used across many, many industries. It's really about getting your top of the house in order um, and, and then funneling it through to your operational practice, through your people, through your financials, et cetera. So I just wanted to kind of give an overview, quick overview of that. But the entrepreneurial operation yeah. is really fun. I love that. It sounds so practical. You know, it sounds like it's you're practical. in the trenches doing stuff. It, it, that's exactly right, and, and practical is probably an excellent word because it, it really is all about taking action and, and having results. And so um, the, the, the model, though, focuses um, really on, on six main sort of categories, if you will, and the goal is to get strong in these six main categories of your business, and, and these shouldn't be they – sh- these shouldn't be – sort of aha moments for anyone that the top of the house is really about vision and mission and having the right vision in place. And then of course your people and your process, which, which Tony uh, effectively communicated early on the call. So you have to have the right people in the right seats and understand what your people are doing. Your process is really about how do you get your process documented in excruciating detail, and then and, and then more importantly, followed by all the people in your organization. Right, the the uh, X Y Z surveying company's way of doing business. Um, so people and process are critical, and then data, uh, your your financial 
aspects of your business, your scorecards, your, your measurables, making sure that you have the right, you're measuring the right things and that you are able to understand what you're measuring and so that you can make good business decisions. And then, and then the last couple categories are, um, are getting strong in how you handle your issues. And issues are one thing that we're going to talk about sort of on this next call we do. It's, it's really about understanding what are the roadblocks that are in place that are causing you to not achieve the vision or achieve the type of business that you want to have. And what are those issues? Identifying them, really getting to the root of the issues, and then understanding how you solve issues. And, and this is a challenge for a lot of companies. Uh, people say, hey, I hate going to meetings. People don't hate going to meetings because of meetings. People hate going to meetings because they're ineffective and they're, and they're a waste of time. So we... Oh, my God, yes. Right? I've I mean, been to you, so you, many faculty meetings at the university, that. and I've been in a million of them, and it's just a total waste of time. I mean, I, I literally want to poke out my eyeball with a pencil when I heard faculty meeting. It was that yeah. painful. And, and the, the fact of the matter is that happens across all businesses, but it's not about the meeting itself. It's about the issues and solving issues, and then it's about how do you, what's your cadence, right? How do you, how do you um, structure a meeting, and then how do you go through that meeting in a very rigorous manner? And then what are the actions that are taken post that meeting before the next meeting so when you get to the next meeting you don't sit in and rehash the exact same things you talked about in the previous meeting and nothing got accomplished in between so really the whole idea of this vision people process data handling issues all funnel into sort of at the bottom of the funnel think of it as as how a, a business then gets traction and traction is all about getting traction towards your 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 ultimate vision and traction is about goal setting and taking action running effective meetings having a cadence for how you communicate with each other both internally and how you communicate externally with your clients so those six sort of core functions of a business tony is what what uh we're going to try to sort of go through those through a series of six calls and go through those at a somewhat macro level. We won't be able to obviously drill into all the details, but we're going to get to a point where I think we're going to get people thinking enough about each one of these six sort of core functions within a business. And, and the goal would be to strengthen, help companies and individuals think through, how am I going to strengthen my people category? How am I going to strengthen my process category? And we're going to work on those through a series of six calls. That sounds great. You know, I just came back from uh, Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership. That was several months ago now, I guess. But I was so excited when I came back. You know, I was, like, ready to do this stuff. And I'm hoping that these radio shows will get people excited about each of these categories. And then if they want to do something, if they want, like, practical, specific advice about their business, they should call you because, you, you know, you'll do this with them, right? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the the big key here is we're going to give you enough. Um, I think we're going to wet the whistle, Tony, enough to give people food for thought and, and thinking about how to become a better business owner, how to run a better business, whether you do it yourself or with others. I think what our goal is in this is to get people thinking about, hey, 
there, there's, you know, time isn't standing still. So everyone's getting older, right? The industry and the profession is getting older. We think it's critically important that businesses remain, um, not only remain in business, but strengthen how they operate their business. We want these businesses to be around for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, um, and we want to help in that transition and that evolution. But the thing is, and you're, you're, you hit it when you're, you just ask that question, you got to ask for help. you got to be willing to, to get help. You've got to be willing to invest in your business, and you, you've got to be willing to engage. And I think you and I talked about this either really briefly before the call, which is you know, if you continue to do the exact same thing and expect different results, um, you're kidding yourself. And so we're hoping uh, that, and I think you're doing a great job by, by carrying these calls forward and, and focusing a little bit of, of your um, of these calls on business because it's going to really, really help the folks in this industry. So um, absolutely, they can, they can call me. Um, they can, you know, reach out to other business advisors. I'm sure that they know or folks that they know in their markets. But at the end of the day, You've got to ask for help. You've got to be willing to invest in your business. You've got to get engaged and get your people engaged, right? This isn't a, a one-to-one discussion. This is about getting all of your people involved in making the business better. So let me just, if I can, Tony, let me just run through the six shows just to outline them, right? So we, we're, we're just going okay, to Okay, great. We got, two, we got a minute and 30 seconds, so I've got to do okay. it quickly. So this is the, this is the, the first call today was just macro, just talk about entrepreneurial leadership, operating system, kind of set the framework. Second show, we're going to try to jump into identifying issues and how do you hold your company, those issues that are holding you back, how do you identify them, how do you discuss them, how do you solve them. Um, on the third show, we'll be talking about uh, building a repeatable and scalable operating process, how do you leverage technology, how do you drive efficiency. The fourth call, we're going to try to delve into a little bit around the importance of the people process, how do you better understand what you might need that you don't have, how do you look at people, how do you measure them, how do you hold people accountable. And then the fifth call, we're going to talk about, you know, the numbers, the data points, the process of measuring uh, your people and your activities and, and, and being able to make intelligent real-time business decisions based on data. And then lastly, we're going to kind of wrap that up and, and talk a little bit about the cadence meetings. How do you keep the cadence of communication strong and how do you have a call to action and how do you begin to really get traction, long-term traction to, to evolve your business? How was that? that sounds great. You know, I'm really excited. That was the fastest overview I've ever heard in my life. So good job, Rich. <laughs> I'm going to post your contact info in the show notes with today's show so people can find you. But uh, in our last few seconds, stay tuned, everybody. Come back. we got some great topics. And, Rich, thank you so much for donating your time and, and helping us all uh, improve our businesses. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Tony. You're listening to America's Web Radio, your voice in the matter.